0: Parshas told us, the main theme, the focus of almost the entire Parsha, is the, the contrast, the rivalry between Yaakov and Esav. Esav is Yedea Tzayed Ish Yaakov is Ishtam Yesheva Halim. My, my wife showed me a video today, one of these feel good videos of soldiers, Israeli soldiers in Gaza, full battle regalia. Helmet strapped under the chin, boots on, the soldier, and, and they're sitting there learning. One, one of them is telling the other one a Dvartara. So the, the Dvartara he was telling was actually interesting. He was saying that it says that when, when that I didn't hear the whole thing, I only heard a few seconds, but he, said, he, was, he was telling what one, one soldier was darshning to the other one. He said that it says that when Yaakov came in to take the brachas, to get the brachas from Yitzchak, he, he was disguised as Asaf. And he, and he felt like Esa, but Yitzchak couldn't see, so he felt like Esa, but yeah. the voice was Yaakov. He said, "I call, call Yaakov, I Yadaim de Esav." So the soldier was telling his friend. He said, "The, the reason, the reason Yitzchak wasn't." You know, wasn't so quick to give Yaakov the brachos was because he said I know Yaakov knows how to learn but he's he's Yishtam Yoshev v'halem. he's too much Yoshev v'halem. he has to be, he has to have strength he has to have power like Esav he has to uh, he was waiting to see the Yadim de Esav Yaakov also has to have the Yadim de Esav he has to be able to go and conquer and fight he said finally he said Oh now I can give him the bracha because I call call Yaakov but he also has the Yadim de Esav. he also has that power of uh, so the we, we can discuss the the of this but anyway. It was, uh, it was it was lovely to see soldiers learning Torah and on the battlefield. But anyway, the the contrast, of course, between Yaakov and Esav is that the is that the Esav is Ish Sadeh, Yaakov is Ishtam Tam Halim. And the rest of the Pasha, we have a little bit of an interlude about Yitzchak's adventures in Eretz Yisroel. But uh, the rest of the parsha is all about uh, the beginning of the Pasha is about you know, how he buys the Bukhara. The and then it goes on. It's about the, about how he gets the brachos. So Esav is ready to kill him, and he flees to, he has to flee Eretz Canaan and go to Hara. It's interesting that in all the ways, and Yaakov and Esav are different, Yaakov is the good one and Esav is the bad one. Haftar we say in Malachi, that's Vohav as uh, v'ohaves Yaakov, that's Esav sonesi, that Hashem loves Yaakov, Hashem hates Esav. Yet, it's remarkable that in one area, Chazal consistently in a bunch of different madrashim, they praise Esav, and in this same area, Dafka in this area, Yaakov falls short. And that is the, ish, that is the area of Kibur Avaim, filial devotion of respecting parents. There are many, many midrashim that say that Esav was outstanding. Esav was exemplary in his Kibur Avaim. It's not explicit in the Pzukim, really, so clearly. It says Yitzchak Laiktim, Kisayid befev, but it's uh, Chazal in, in numerous different madrashim say that Esav was the, the ultimate, the ideal person, the, the ideal fulfillment of Kibud Bracious Brashus Rabbah it says that when Rivka helped Yaakov disguise disguise himself as Esav, she gave Yaakov the the big day Esav, the the, the garments of Esav, Gadol, the, Hachamudos, the the, the 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 wonderful ones, the delightful ones. Why did he have? Why did she have? Why, why was she keeping Esav's garments? What were they doing? So the, because he didn't trust his wives. But the, the midrash says, Rabbi Shimon says, I always was Meshamesh my father, but I did not I did not fulfill kibud I did not take care of my father. Not even one percent of what Esav did to his to his father to Yitzchak. Echad Mimea, Not even echad Mimea, of what Esav did to Yitzchak. What's the difference between me and Esav? When, when I serve my father, I wear Begadim Malachlachin, Begadim and I went to another version of the Midrash. I wear garments that are soiled. Why should I ruin my nice clothing doing uh, things where I'm likely to get dirty? When I go outside my own affairs, I wear my clean clothing, my, my elegant clothing. Esav, uh, nope. Esav, when he served his father, he would wear big name malchus. He would wear his... Uh, Hachamudos. He would wear his, his garments that were that were glorious. He said, "It's not covered for my father to mishamish him and anything less than the best. Only the best for my father." And then that's why Rivka had his garments because he wouldn't wear his garments when he went outside hunting. He wore his uh, rough clothes. When he went when he went to serve his father, he would have he would pick up his good clothes from Rivka. Again, it, it doesn't sound like the most absolutely amazing thing in the world. For Shimon really thought this was such a great thing he could have done it himself. Also. But the, the, the Midrash, one way or another, the Midrash holds this up as, a, as, a, as an example of how Esav was, was outstanding. Esav was, the, Esav was just a marvel of Kibbutz HaVeim. Many different Midrashim. It says that the Tanchuma, Tanchuma says that people, even Rishayim, Hashem is fair. Hashem will make sure everyone gets char from mitzvahs that they did. or Russia, even Esav. Because Esav was Machabit, his father, who gave him color covered asep? Presumably, it means the covered of uh, of Rome, the, the, the glory of the of the Roman Empire of the, as we've discussed in the past. Chazal, ten, Chazal pretty consistently identify identify Rome of their day with Edom, the, the biblical Edom, which is Esav. So Esav was Zelchet to his great success because of his because of his that the and so on and many many different midrashim. There's even a Rambam. I do not have a chance to check to look this up. The Rambam has a midrash, which I don't know if we have or not. But the Rambam in the Geras Hashmad has a midrash that's similar to the Shem He says a kashbaruk who is not mekapak schar called Beria, even a Russia kashbaruk makes sure that everyone gets whatever whatever schar they deserve for whatever good they did. And he says Esav. Esav is 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 just such a such, such a terrible Russia. Five eras, the day he came to Yaakov and he sold his Bukhara. He committed five averas. Some of them were, were horrific averas. Murder, idolatry, adultery, heresy. He denied not He said, he, he scorned the Bechorah. He scorned the And then he would be a hypocrite. He would come to Yitzchak and ask him all kinds of pious questions. How do I take meister of salt? And wow, he fooled Yitzchak. He was, he was a scoundrel, a hypocrite, a villain. Nevertheless, there was one mitzvah that he fulfilled very well that was Kiberd Ab despite the fact that he was fooling his father and manipulating him he also honored his father and Hashem gave him Malchus Belihepsik the Rambam says the Rambam says that Hashem gave Rome a kingdom the glory and perpetuity I don't know if he means that Rome in his time was still important or he means he's looking at Gullus Edom as the Europe and, and, and the, the modern Gullus in general as all Edom the way he's looking at it until Mashiach comes and he brings a Midrash which again I don't know if we have but he brings a Midrash that says Ain ben David ba ad al schar Mashiach will not come until Esav has had his day in the sun, until Esav has had the the schar of his kibud avayim. The Gemara and Sanhedrin and Chelik, I think, brings different memories in this pattern. Ain ben David ba ad Mashiach will not come until these things happen. But the Rambam had a nusach which I could not find until Esav receives his due schar, his schar he's due for his for his uh, great kibud avayim and so on. That's what I mean when, I, when, I, when, I say, when they say Anakash Baruch and Mekabak Schal called Berya. The Rabbim was encouraging the recipients of his letter. They, they, they weren't able I think to keep Torah Mitzvahs properly. He was telling them whatever you can do is, is going to be I think he was saying whatever you do is, is valuable that Hashem is going to make sure everyone gets rewarded for whatever they do. But uh, they, 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 this, this is one version of a Midrash and so on. And that there are many Midrashim to, the, to, the, to to this effect that Esav was outstanding in his Kibrach Yaakov not as much we have one Midrash that says we have a we have, a, we have another Bracious rabbah. Breshis Rabba says in the beginning of Vayishlach when Yaakov is preparing for his confrontation with Esav he hears that Esav is approaching him it says Yaakov, Yaakov was very worried so Chazal Darshan that Vayishlach he was afraid he would be killed why was he afraid? why did he think Esav would be able to vanquish him? he was a great tzaddik Hashem was protecting him so the Midrash gives various reasons why Yaakov was, a, was, was worried he might not have Hashem protect, Hashem's protection. So one of them was he didn't have this chus of Yeshiva Eretz Yisrael, Yeshiva Eretz Yisrael. Esav was living in Eretz Israel, and he was out in Golos in, in Haran. And also he says, all these years, Esav is Yoshev and Machabin is Horov. Esav is fulfilling Kiberd Aveim. Incidentally, many of the Midrashim say that, that he honored his father. They mention specifically his father. This Midrash says Horov, his parents, there are some adrashim and some sources that, that mention specifically, but that do mention both parents. He's apparently Machabed rifka as well. But in any event, Yaakov said, "All these years, he's getting the, the great mitzvah of kibur avayim, and I don't have that. I, I was away. I was away from my parents, so maybe I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna suffer." So this midrash just says that Yaakov was worried that he that, that he had not fulfilled kibur avayim. He was away from his parents, and he and he had less of a less of a schus than Esav in this area. There's another statement of Chazal, a better-known statement of Chazal, perhaps, that Yaakov actually was punished. That Yaakov actually was guilty of delinquency in Kibranava HaVeim, and he actually was punished quite severely for it. We'll get to this. It's a Gemara in Megillah. We'll get to the Gemara soon. The Gemara says that, the, that Yaakov was away from his parents for 22 years, and he was punished by Yosef being away from him for 22 years. He, he, he lost his, He lost his beloved son for 22 years as a punishment for his failure to properly honor his parents. We'll, we'll discuss that Midrash in, in more detail soon. But in the meantime, it's, it's just striking that, the, that the, the contrast between Yaakov and Esav, The Esav is held up in numerous different Midrashim as being outstanding in Kiber Avaim. Yaakov, not as much. There's a very interesting comment in the Sefer Chassidim, Rabbi Yudah Chassid. Rabbi Yudah Chassid says that we mentioned before that when, that when Esav came in exhausted and he asked Yaakov, give me the red stuff you're cooking, Yaakov said, sell me the Bechara. Esav, Esav, Esav's thought process was Esav, I'm going to die Why do I need Bechorah? We mentioned before, Esav was criticized for it by some Midrashim for, for being Mavazah of the Bechorah What did Esav mean when he said I'm going to die What did he mean by that? So Rashi brings a couple of pshats in. One shot is that, the, that the, the Bechorah itself is going to kill me if I get it because Bechorah means you do the Avodah and if you do the Avodah improperly then Hashem punishes you when you die Brings another shot that he knew the he knew the Bukhara wouldn't always he knew the avoda wouldn't always be done by b'chorim it would shift away from b'chorim so he didn't want the Bukhara. but Rashi Rashi's working within the idea that b'chora means the avoda many other ishonim, though understand b'chora means what it means in, in halacha in general it means the the right of the firstborn to get the empty to get extra in the of, of the inheritance. And when he said in Ne'enachi Lamus, what he meant was that I'm going to die. Bukhar only gets, Bukhar does not receive anything Michayim, but the, the relevance of Bukhar in Halacha is only after the father dies. And Esav was saying, I'm not going to live long enough. I don't expect to, to outlive my father. I'm going to die. Why am I going to die? So many we showed him say, even article brings this, many we showed him say, the Ramban, the Rashbam, the Ezra, some of the Baleitos, and the Adar They say, Esav was saying, I am a hunter, I have a dangerous and high-risk lifestyle, I'm out there with the animals, and the, in, the, in the dangerous animals, the, in, in, in wild areas, and my luck is going to run out eventually, eventually I'm going to die. I, I don't have a high life expectancy. That was what Asav was saying. So I mentioned this, this is a bunch of Rishonim, Ibn Ezra, Rashbam, Raman, Darza Zikenim, Perhaps one of the most famous uh, expressions of this view, though, is, is, is in one of the Akronim, is in a, is in a, is in a very famous tshuva of the nod we've discussed many times in the past. nod bihuda was asked about a rich, successful Jew who had all kinds of, uh, he had all kinds of you know, forests and, and, and wilderness areas, he had a lot of land, and he wanted to live the lifestyle of the aristocrats. The European aristocrats used to hunt. In, in the United States, hunting is a blue-collar thing. You don't, have to, you don't have to have your own property. You hunt in public areas and so on. In, in, in Europe, the hunting was often, the, was often the, the prerogative of the aristocrats who owned land and who had their own private land, and expensive horses and so on, dogs for hunting. So this Jew was rich, and he had the, the land to go hunting. He asked, I'll pee, I'll pee, the, I'll, I'll pee the hashkaf of the Torah. Is it appropriate for me to go hunting? So the Nabiuda considers the question from a bunch of perspectives. Is it the question of Sarbalachayim? He says no. Is it a question of Baltashkis? He says no. But then he says it's still not appropriate. He says both Al Alakha and Al Piashkafa. Al Piashkafa, he says, to get pleasure from, from herding animals, he says, that, that, that's not a Jewish thing at all. He says, who are the two great hunters? In the Torah, in Chumash Bereshis, of a Nimrod. Nimrod is Gibor Tzayid Lefnei Hashem. Esav is Yoday Tzayid Ishadah. Esav a Nimrod—is that the company you want? Is that the company you want to keep? He said, hunting is not an activity for uh, for 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 a Bnei Yisrael who are Rachmanim, Baishanim, HaSadim. Hunting is not is, is not something that a Jew should do for recreation. Okay. Hunting is not something a Jew should do for 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 recreation. Asaph and Nimrod the two great hunters. We mentioned that, we, we've covered a few years ago, we discussed that there, there are a number of different Madrashim that actually connect Asaph and Nimrod. Some say that when Asaph said, Hineo nochi Hine, holech lumbus, Nimrod was going to kill him because Nimrod had uh, decreed death on him for hunting in, in his, the king's, the king's the king's property. Some say that Asaph had already killed Nimrod because he wanted to steal those those wonderful garments. The garments had been Nimrod's. Asaph had killed him. Some Madrashim say just the opposite, that the reason Esav stole the garments was because he wanted to, he wanted to kill Nimrod. Once Nimrod had condemned him to death, and they said we're going to have a duel to the death, and uh, Esav told Yaakov, I can't beat Nimrod, I'm, I'm, I'm not in Nimrod's league, how am I going to beat Nimrod? Yaakov was a great chacham, Yaakov said that, Ni, that Nimrod gets help from his special garments that bring the animals to his side, Get him to take off his garments, convince him, build his pride, say, let's, let, let's see, you. you have an unfair advantage, let, let's, let's see you beat me uh, without any tricks, and get him to take off his garments, then you'll be able to win. So, And according to some versions of the Midrash, Esav then took the garments himself, Esav was not above cheating, so Esav took the garments and then used them to kill Nimrod. So there are a lot of different connections, in there are a lot of different connections in the Midrash and between Esav and Nimrod, what their relationship was, but in any event, says in no, the Yehudah, the two great hunters in the Torah were ace of a Nimrod, those are not the role models that you want uh, as, as, a, as a Yisrael. But also Al-Piyalacha, he says, al Pialacha hunting is usher for recreation, he says hunting is dangerous. If a person does it to earn a living, he says, that's allowed. He establishes a famous doctrine, many other Akronim say this as well, the Elav who knows he has the Torah says, that a worker, the Torah says, make sure to pay him on time, because he risks his life to, to, earn, his, to earn his wages, so he deserves to be paid promptly, fairly. Says the Gemara, he risks his life, he climbs trees, he climbs scaffolds, he engages in dangerous occupations, so pay him on time. Says in Odebihudah, you see from here, from the Gemara, a worker is allowed to risk his life to make a living. Even though normally, the Torah says, normally a person is supposed to avoid putting himself in danger. For parnasah, there's a certain factor. Maybe not uh, actual suicide, but at least to do things that are that, that have significant risk, if you're doing it for Parnassa, that's okay. Many, many other posts can say similar things. Ramosha Feinstein says this about playing professional sports, even if there's some risk involved. If you're earning a living by doing it, you play as a professional, then that's a heter. However, it says, not to do it for the same thing, to do for recreation, the same high risk activity. If you're not doing it for Parnassa, you're just doing it for recreation, it's user. How do I know hunting is dangerous? Asaph said, I'm going to die. Why was he going to die? Because he was a hunter, and hunting is dangerous. Even though the Ramadrashim like Rashi brings, that it means the B'chara and so on, yeah, says No. to be Yehuda, Pshuto Shal Mikra is, that Esav meant he was going to die because he was a hunter. As we mentioned, the, the great Mepharshay Pshat, Ibn Ezra, Rashbam, and so on, even Ramban, all bring this Pshat, that Anochi hol means I'm going to die as, because I'm a hunter. And hunters, uh, hunters, their luck is going to run out eventually, and they're going to die. So, so that's what Esav said. Esav said he was going to die. So getting back to Rabbi Yudah Hasid, Rabbi Hasid says, you see Esav's great kibber d'aveim? So, so I, I was quite intrigued to see this. All these Mepharshim said Esav was, was Esav engaged in risky behavior. Okay, I thought he, maybe he enjoyed it. Maybe he was an adrenaline junkie. People today do all kinds of extreme things. for uh, That's what they like to do. Maybe, maybe he couldn't make a living any other way. I don't know. But the Rebbe of says, you know why Esav did this? You know why Esav risked his life as a hunter? Why does the Torah tell you, The Torah is teaching us that you know why Esav is so successful, as the Rambam says, as the Midrash says, you know why Esav was given Memshala by Akosh Baruch because Esav was such an exemplary practitioner of Kiber Avaim, he would even risk his life, all for his father. In order to bring Tzayid for his father, it says that is uh, It wasn't just Tsayid; it was he. He literally risked his life to bring Tzayid to his father. Yitzchak was very impressed with that. Apparently, Yitzchak was very moved that Esav loved him so much that he would even risk his life to bring Tsayid. That's why Esav did it. It was it was Sidkus, it, it, it was it was it was it was uh, L'shem Mitzvah to honor his father. That's why Esav risked his life. Says the Sefer Chazidim, Yosef. Yosef Atzadik at learned from Esav how to honor parents. In Pashas Vayeshev, it says that the that Yaakov was worried about how his brothers were doing. your, your brothers are, are, are tending the animals. Go, the, Let me send you there to check on them. It was a very risky thing to do. We see what happened, uh, how it turned out. They they almost killed him. Said so they sold him into slavery. It, it, Asav, a, uh, Yosef knew that the brothers did not like him. Why did Yosef do it? He said, "I learned from Uncle Esav." He says Esav would always go to a dangerous place to Machum Sakana to hunt and bring food to his father. the aim is so important; it's kedai to risk your life for the aim. My father wants me to put myself in danger to check on my brothers. I'll do it. It's the that's what my father wants. How can I not do it? I learned the lesson from. Uncle Esav, and all this, he says, is to teach us, te- to teach us, B'nai Yisrael, how we, a person should always try to help his father with Parnasa, to do what his father says, because you see how important it is, even if it means risking your life, it's still considered a great mitzvah. The Chida, the in his say for Rosh David, the Chida discusses whether this is halach or not. He says, halach is clear, he says, that if the, if the father actually asks the son to do something, if the son realizes it's dangerous... He says no question the son is allowed to yeah, turn God, it God, down. He can, respectfully, he can tell his father, but he can say, it's, you know the Torah says it's just too uh, it's just too dangerous. He says he says, and, and and that's what the that's that's what this midrash means. The Midrash means that Yosef learned from asaph why did Yosef have to learn from Esav? It wasn't a simple question. Esav, I'll pee the standard halacha, could have, uh, Yosef could have very reasonably said, I can't go to Shechem, it's not Kedai, it's not I'm not going to to go to Shechem, it's too dangerous. That's what he learned from, from Esav, that, that even though I'll pee halacha, the father maybe can't demand that the father go, that, that the son go to a dangerous place, he says, Esav would do it. And again, maybe we don't learn halacha from Asa, but the fact that Yitzchak didn't object, Yitzchak didn't uh, say, no, no, you don't do that, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not that's reckless. So you see that the, at, least, at least at least as a Rashust, if the Ben wants to be machmer and go machim saikana to do nachas ruach it's a good thing. It's alpid the Torah. That's what Yosef learned. He learned of this la laachmer to even put yourself in a certain amount of risk in order to do kibar Turning to Yaakov. So we mentioned that one Midrash says that Yaakov was worried that he didn't have the schutz of Kiber Avaim, that's why he might lose to Esav. Esav had been rekayim Kiber Avaim all those years, and Yaakov did not. Mm -hmm. And the Gemara and Megillah brings even uh, in great detail that Yaakov actually, apparently, again, according to his madrega perhaps, but Yaakov apparently was uh, substantially delinquent in his mitzvah of Kiber Avaim. The, the midrash Rashi brings it at the end of the, the end of the parsha. The end of Pasha's told us, the the Gemara brings in a, a very detailed midrash full of lots of arithmetic. We're not going to get into all the arithmetic now, but what the midrash calculates how long Yaakov was actually away from Yitzhak. It says that the, the it gives us the numbers. It says that, it says that the, it says that, the, it says that Yaakov when he received the brachos was sixty three. And it, 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 that, he, that he was 60, that, he, that he was sixty-three, and he was. And, and it says that there were. And there, the, the the mark goes on with the, with an elaborate calculation. It says that, it says that he was fourteen years until Yosef was born. He was seventy-seven when Yosef was born. Yosef was thirty when he stood before Paro. So that would mean so 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 that so, so that would so that so that would mean that the, another thirty years plus seventy-seven he's 107 years, 107 years old when Yosef stood. When when Yosef, when, when Yosef stood before Paro, nine more years, uh, nine more years, two years of famine, two years, seven years of two, two, seven years of plenty, two years of famine. He would have been 116 years when he stood before Paro, but he said that he was 130. He said that he was a he said that he was hundred and thirty, so we're missing fourteen years. So though we're skipping some of the calculations of the Gemara, how we know some of these things, but the Gemara says there's an extra fourteen years that before he went to Haran, he learned in the Yeshiva of Aver He learned Torah in the Yeshiva of Aver So the Gemara explains that he was he was away from his parents for a total of thirty-six years, fourteen years in Yeshiva Aver twenty years in the house of Lavan, seven years for one of Yaakov's, for one of Laban's daughters, seven years for the other of Laban's daughters, and then six years for the sheep, the arrangements in, about the sheep, and then two more years he, he delayed on the road going back. So he was away from, so he, he was away from, he was away from his parents for a total of 36 years, 14 years in yeshiva, 14 years for the, for the wives, six years for the sheep, and two years on the road. But he was punished. And he was punished, Mida K'negen Mida, that he neglected his parents. He was punished that Yosef was taken away from him. Yosef, however, was only taken away from him for 22 years. Yosef was 17 years old in Pashas Vayeshev when he went to Shechem and was sold into slavery. He was, as we said before, he was 30 years old when he stood, when he stood before Paro. And, he was, and it was nine more years before, before he was reunited with Yaakov. Seven years of plenty and two years of famine. So, 39 to 17... It's 22 years. So, 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 Yaakov lost Yosef for 22 years. Mida Knegen Midah, because he, he abandoned his parents for a long time. But he abandoned his parents for 36 years. So, why, why only 22 years? So, the Gemara says, we see, it gives a famous rule, Godal Talmud Torah, Yosef, and Av'eim. We see from here that Talmud Torah is even more important than Kibur Avaim, because of the 36 years he was absent, 14 years were an excused absence, because he was learning Torah. That overrides Kibra Avim. He won't be punished for that. He was punished for the other twenty-two years that he was not learning Torah. That he was that he was um, that he was taking care of the of the of taking care of the sheep and traveling. Shlomo Katz just mentioned to me a midrash, I think, or one of the Rishonim maybe says that what did Yaakov do all night when he was out there with the sheep? He sat to him. So he might have been learning some level of Torah. But uh, he wasn't, at least not the same level of Torah when he was in yeshiva, save her. So for that, he was punished. But the years, that kind of Torah he could have learned back home also, I guess. So that, that's not an excuse to be away from his parents. Whatever it is, for the 22 years that he was not in yeshiva, he was punished. For the 14 years he was in yeshiva, he was not punished. Before we get to the discussion about the, about the, the relationship between Talmud Torah and Kibbutz Avaim, the obvious question that, that everyone wants to know over here is that, why was he punished? We're going to Choran to get Rachel and Leah, and, uh, and, to, and, and so on. They told him to. At the end of this pasha, his parents were quite clear about this. They said, go, lech Padena Aram, go to... Yitzchak told him, Rivka told him, maybe for different reasons. Rivka said, Rivka's reason was because Esav would kill him. Yitzchak maybe wasn't, didn't believe that, but, Yitzhak, but Rivka said, Katzi I don't want him to marry a local girl. But they both told him to leave. So, so, what, was the, so what was the... Why would he be punished for that? So, the, the people give all kinds of different answers to this question. One of the most uh, interesting, striking answers is Urbeinu Bachya. says they wanted him, their intention was get a wife and come back when, when they sent for him. Miad, he says, come back right away. Again, I'm not sure how right away. Rifka knew that Asa was out to kill him, so I, he had, he had, she had to allow at least some time for him to cool off. But basically, not 22 years. Rifka did not mean 22 years. And... Moreover, Emeinu Bachia says that Yaakov had no need to wait 22 years. Yaakov could have accomplished his, his parents' mitzvah of getting a wife, his parents' command to get a wife, more effectively. Why did he take so long? Because he wanted Rachel. He fell in love with Rachel, who <laughs> because she was beautiful. He said, Why did he pick such a large number? Because he, he wanted Rachel. He could have gotten Leah more cheaply, apparently, with, without uh, promising seven years. Therefore, he says... Delaying there was his fault. It was his choice to stay so long, to tarry so long. That's why he was punished. Rabbi Bachias claim that, that that Yaakov was being faulted here for falling in love with Rachel, and that's why he stayed so long. Is interesting. The, for years, I, I used to quote. The, the, I used to quote the question. You know, from, from writers often say, you know, Chas v'Shalom to say that Yaakov fell in love with Rachel because she was beautiful. The P'sukim actually say that. The P'sukim say that Bei Nele for Achel you fast Tarv fast Mara. And then immediately the next pasuk is Now we don't always realize the connection, because I think there's an aliyah in between. But uh, the psukim do say that. It says fas mara, So, f- so for years I used to quote the Shwes Yaakov, the Shwes Yaakov, who is not not at all one of the Mefarshayim Mikra. He's a uh, he's a posik and a kind of a posik posik. Classic meat and butters, meat, meat, uh, meat and potatoes, bread and butter posik. The, the Shwes Yaakov of all people says this thing that, that Yaakov married Rachel because she was beautiful. The Shavis Shv- Yaakov is, is discussing the question of marrying for ulterior motives. He's discussing Yibum. the halacha is, we Ashkenazim, we follow the halacha that we follow the shita that, that, that if someone is abashol shita, we follow that if someone is Konez Yisivimto L'shem Noi or L'shem Mamon, it's Kilupageb Erva. That, that that if you don't do a L'shem Mitzvah, it, uh, it becomes an and that's why we don't do Yibum in Ashkenaz. The Shavisaka was dealing with a case where Chalitza where was not possible because the, the Yavim had a deformity of his leg, so it wasn't possible to do the Chalitza ceremony properly. And if they couldn't do, do yibum, the woman would be in aguna because Chalitza was off the table, and if they couldn't do yibum, then, then nothing could be done. The only way to resolve the woman's status was to do Yibim, so he has a long chuva discussing, even though Ashkenazim don't do Yibam in general, could we be mekel and do Yibam? And he says yes, he actually says yes. We can do, if necessary, we can do yibum. In the course of his tshuva, he makes a number of arguments for why we can do yibam, why we don't worry about kilopageh erva. So one of his arguments is that the only time it's Pagaba Erva is if, is if a person's motive is purely selfish, purely for an ulterior motive, not l'shem mitzvah at all. But if his motive is mixed, if he wants to do the mitzvah but also has an ulterior motive, she's also rich, if she's also beautiful, that's not really pageh Erva. And as proof to this, he brings he brings a riot from Yaakov. He says that Yaakov wasn't doing evil, but he says Chazal also says that if someone marries any woman l'shem Mammon, or he assumes l'shem yofi also, I think that's also, that's also a problem. Chazal criticize those who don't marry l'shem shemayim, even not, not an ebim. So Chazal says that if marrying l'shem Mammon is, I think he says you'll have banim shenam huginim. So he says, are you going to tell me that it says Yaakov married Rachel because she was beautiful? Ain't mikriot from He says it says it says v'yakov Rachel. because she was beautiful Ain't mikriot from so he said, are you going to tell me that Yaakov violated this halacha and that his, his, the, the shiftei kah chas v'shalom, or eidam Huganim? chas v'shalom, everyone marries for, for money, everyone marries for beauty, he says. That's how the world works. We marry people who we fall in love with. We marry people who are rich, he says. So al-karchach, the reason is to not make everyone avaryanim, to not make Yaakov chas v'shalom and avaryanim, he says, if you marry people for, for, for both reasons, l'shem shamayim, and it doesn't hurt that she's rich, it doesn't hurt that she's beautiful, that's okay. It's only if you marry someone totally, that's where Chazal criticized you, especially for Yibum. So I'll call upon him the Shavos Yaakov this, in, in a famous tshuva on Hilchas Yibim, which is quoted by, still quoted by the Postcom today. He proves it from Yaakov that, uh, that he, he also assumes, like Rebbeinu Bachya, that he married her because she was beautiful. Rebbeinu Bachya, however, is critical of, of Yaakov. Rebbeinu Bachya says that when Chazal criticized Yaakov for falling short in Kibber Havayim, they meant that Yaakov stayed away from his parents longer than necessary because he fell in love with a beautiful woman, and that he really should have married based on more practical considerations. He could have, got, he could have gotten away with Leah, which wouldn't have cost him as much time away from his parents. And he's being faulted, according to Rebbeinah it's, it's an incredible thing to say, but that's what he says. He's, he's, being, he's being faulted for, for uh, pursuing the woman that he loved, the beautiful woman. That's why he's being criticized for neglecting his parents to, uh, to pursue the woman that he loved. Okay, interesting. Agav, we, we've discussed many times before, the of the, the Marik, which is relevant to what we're about to discuss soon, but there's a famous of the Marik who was asked about a, a son who wanted to marry a certain woman and his father objected. We're not told exactly why, but the father objected. So the question they, they asked the Marik was, does the son have to listen to his father because of Kibarabahim? Marik said, no, he does not. And the Marik gave three reasons three amazing reasons. One reason is because Kibravaim is Mishalav, not Mishal Ben. We, it's in the Gemara, but we pass in Kiber does not require the son to expend money. He says Numerik, if you don't have to spend money, you don't have to give up the woman that you love either. You don't have to give things up to, 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 take, to, take, to help your father. If, you, if, if the price of honoring your father is giving up the woman that you love, that's not, that's not something that is M'Chai of you to do, and therefore you don't have to do it. Second argument, he says... Is that he says there is no general obligation to obey a parent. We'll discuss that more soon. The obligation is to honor a parent. It says lo Dvarov. dvarav. You can't contradict a parent, but you don't have to obey a parent. The parent says wear a sweater. It's cold outside. So if you say no, it's not cold outside. Uh, you know you're wrong. That's that's lososur dvarov. But if you just smile politely and you don't wear the sweater, then the then the Marik says that's not That that's not a violation of kavan or We'll discuss that some more soon. And the third argument in the Marik, a very romantic argument, he says that Chazal say a person has to love his wife. That's why you have to see her before you marry her. Chazal wanted to make sure that there is ava between husband and wife. Says the Marik, this young man is in love with a certain woman. If he gives her up and instead marries someone marry someone else, he's assuming he won't find someone who he loves as much as the first one. You know, Fathers always tell the kids, you'll find somebody else, don't worry about it, but the, the son fails, she's the one, my heart is set on her. If I give her up, the woman I love won't be the, the woman I marry won't be the woman I love the woman I, I love is not the one I marry the woman I marry is not the one I love it's a violation of the, of, it's a violation of the halacha to marry the woman to, someone other than you love is us is it's against the Torah and the father can't tell you what to do when it involves violating the Torah so because of all these three reasons the Marik says he doesn't have to listen to his parents the, the basic halacha is brought in Shulchan Aruch although there's a question of which of the three reasons is, is the ikr, which of the three reasons do we accept the halacha, all of them, some of them Alkalpah Rebbeinah Bachya is saying that he was faulted for pursuing the woman that he loved at the expense of Kiber Havim, according to the Marik. That might not be the wrong thing to do, according to the Marik. Marrying the woman that you love overrides Kiber Havim. Okay, so that, 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 that's, that's an interesting point. It I just, I just occurred to me right now, actually. But in any event, Yaakov, the Gemara says, whatever the Hezbar is, Yaakov is faulted for neglecting his parents for 22 years, in contrast to Esav, who was the, the archetype of a, a devoted son. This Gemara, though, that the Gemara says, although he was punished for the 22 years, he was not punished for the first 14 years that he learned in Yeshiva S'ever, because Godel Talmud Torah, Yosem That's what we learn, this principle of Godel Talmud Torah, Yosem The Gemara might be said to be in Agadita, but it's brought La by the Poskim. It's brought as early as the Sheiltas. The Sheiltas, Dravachai, Mishabcha. The Sheiltas says, what does someone do? Halacha Lemaissa, he has a father and a mother, and they need his help food and, and other things and, and, and clothing they need his help but he also wants to go study Torah and he wants to travel away from home it says Torah. it's good to go away to learn Torah so what should he do should he travel away to yeshiva and he'll be unable to help his parents or should he stay home and help his parents what do you do how do you decide Hilchasamai. Samay Toshma as halachic as it gets Hilchasamai. I have arrived from a Gemara the Gemara in Megillah Godel Talmud Torah Yosmi Kibur we see from Yaakov that going away to yeshiva to learn Torah overrides Kiber Ame. This is also, about five 700 years later, this is also the holding of a Truma Sedeshen. Truma Sedeshen was asked about a son who wanted to travel away from his father to learn Torah. The father, it sounded like, had no objection in principle to the son going away to learn Torah. The problem was that the son had his heart set on a particular yeshiva, in a particular region, the father was very unhappy about the plan to go to that region. He said it's a dangerous region. There are alilos there. There, there, there. there are kidnappers there. It's, uh, it's a bad neighborhood. Uh, if you go there, he says, I'm going to suffer a tremendous tzar. I'm going to worry all the time about you. That's what parents do. So he said, if you go there, I will be greatly distressed. So the son wanted to know, does he have to listen to his father, or should he go where he wants to to learn Torah? And it, 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 the Truman makes it clear he could have learned Torah locally. It wasn't like there was no opportunity to learn Torah locally. He could have learned Torah locally. The son was convinced that he would learn, it would be, it would be ideal, it would be advantageous for him to go somewhere else. So the question is, does that qualitatively superior type of Torah, is that also grounds for overriding Kiber HaVeim? Says the Truman yes it is. He brings various proofs to this effect. The Gemara establishes a rule, Loman Akol Adem Person, people, teachers are not fungible, they're not interchangeable, sometimes a person can, will have a particular success with a particular teacher, with a particular Rebbe, and therefore he says that it does override does override HaVeim, and in the course of the, the, his analysis he brings our Gemara, that the basic idea, as we saw in the shelter already, based on the Gemara, is that Talmud Torah Trumps kibud Avaim. and since the Gemara tells us lomar, I himself a Lomot That's also considered Talmud Torah, and that's also it brings another riot to this. That that that, that, we, that overrides kibud Avaim. And he says, and he says it doesn't. And he says, it, and he says it's not just. Uh, and even even here, where it's not just you're leaving your father, you're actually causing him tsar. The father is explicitly objecting, and you're causing him tsar. At the end of the day, it's just covered uh, mora. It's all kibud avim. And, if, and even in this scenario if the Gemara says yoser that applies even in this scenario as well and this is passing in Shulchan Aruch as well that the person can go to yeshiva even if it means abandoning his parents and even if the parents are upset and object and even if they causes them tsar he can go to yeshiva anyway I always point out it doesn't say anywhere the father has to pay for this. If the, if the son needs the father to pay for his tuition, it doesn't say the father has to cooperate. The father can say, I don't want you to go, I'm not going to pay for this. But assuming the son doesn't need the father, then the son has the right to go, even if the father objects, even if the father is uh, suffering because of it. That is the tru- that's the Shiltas, that's the the Sideshen, that's tru- the tru- Shulchan There are, however, a number of poskin who say, this, this obviously doesn't mean that, that a person can simply ignore his parents because he's busy learning Torah. Every time a person takes care of his father, he could be learning Torah instead. Is that, is that true? in mean, if a person is in the middle of learning can tell his father and mother, I don't know time to deal with you, I'm busy learning Torah, is that really the halacha? So a number of racharonim, with different variations, say that's not the case. Say for a Mikhan says something interesting. Say for a Mikhan on Kedushin, he's going on a Gemara, the, the the Gemara says, Rav said, Avimi, my son Avimi, is mekayim the mitzvah of kibud in in in, in a uh, in, in in a uh, very very thorough way. Avimi himself has five sons who all have smicha. Nevertheless, when I come to the door, he runs to open it himself, and he says, Wait, I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm, I'm, I'm he tells his father right away, I'm coming to the door. One time, he says, I asked him Ashkayan Maya, I asked him for a drink of water. That's Chazal's classic example of Kibra Avaim. Ashkaya and Maya, give me water to drink. He says, while, I was, while he went to get the water, I dozed off. So, I, so, do so the father of, of Avod dozed off. So, Avimi, the son, he bent over him with the water, just waiting for him until he woke up, just holding the water so he could have it as soon as he woke up. And the great schus of that, Staya Milsa, he had Tziatra Dishmaya, and he had a, a great insight into Torah, Dara Avimi, Mizmar loss Avimi, the son, was Zochet to a... Apparently, a, uh, a, a giloi of Torah, some under, some insights into Torah in, in, in the parak of Talim of Mismar Lhasa. Right, Sefer Mikna right. says, "What's the issue here in this Gemara?" Yes, yes. He says, what, "What's the Gemara teaching us?" Yes, yes. The Gemara is telling us that Avimi that Avimi was concerned. Did I really did I really do the right thing? Yes. I was mivatul Torah. I stood there with a glass of water, waiting for my father. I could I could have gone back and learned. So maybe learning Torah is more important. So he says the Sefer Miknah a a, a remarkable chiddush. He says we can distinguish between covered and mora, honoring Torah, Gudl Talmud Torah, honoring your parents is is only covered and Talmud Torah is more important. But mora, the Gemara basically gives different examples of covered and mora. Covered is positively showing honor. Mora is avoiding doing things that would be disrespectful. Lo so don't contradict him. So says the Sefer Miknah. If you simply neglect your father, your father needs something and you just don't pay attention to him, that's a violation of covenant. But if your father explicitly asks you for something and you don't do it, you disobey him, you flout his instructions, that is a question of mora. That's loyavar al thats lo al We mentioned before from the Marik, not like that. The Marik said simply obeying him is not mitzvah at all. The sefer mikra says it is a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah of mora, and it's even more strict as as far svarasafulchos. It's even more strict than merely showing him honor. Not doing what he says is, is an absolute violation of mora. Says the sefer a When do we say that God will tamatere aim When it's just a question of covered. Yaakov went away from his parents, so he couldn't do. He couldn't help them. He he, he didn't do covered. Torah is more important. But if your parents explicitly ask you for something, they say please do this for me, and you don't. If you don't do it, that's a violation of mora. That is more strict, and we do not say that Talmud Torah overrides that. Since since since, since the Rabbi Evo had asked Avimi for the water, he said Ashkai and Ma- he asked Avimi for the water. He said Ash-Kai and Maya. For Avimi not to do it would have been a violation of Mora, and that is more important than Talmud Torah. And that's why he was correct in Mavatal Torah in order to take care of his parents, to listen to his parents. So again, we said a a the, the, the claim that listening to your parents is a question of Mora. Is, is a big machlokus that not everyone agrees to that. And, but anyway, the Sefer Mikna comes out that the disobeying a parent's order is, we don't say, I never really understood how he would explain the Truma Sedesha. The Truma Sedesha explicitly says the father was Mocha, the father was Mocha, and he said, you're being mitzire me, and the son is not going to listen to that, and he still says, so this, this is the Sefer Miknus claim that, that, that disobeying the parents' order, we don't say Gadol Talmud Torah, which seems to be against the, against the Truma Sedeshan. So I'm not sure how we can say this, but that's what he says. Another Chilok is found in the Prychadosh. Pesche brings the Prychadosh, who says that I don't really understand this Chilok so well, I don't understand the logic of it, but he says the discussion in the Gemara by Yaakov Avinu in the She'ltos and the Trumas Edashin, all these the Shulchan Aruch, all these posts are talking about traveling away from home to go to Yeshiva to learn Torah and neglecting the parents, causing the parents tzar, disobeying the parents. That's all discussing going away from home. Says the Prechadash, if you have to leave the city to learn, you can do that, even though you won't be able to do Kibra Avaim, Talmud Torah is more important. But as long as you're in the city, then you can't invoke Limra Torah as an excuse, Latim Chavid Go do cover HaVeim and then go back to learning. So he says leaving the city is okay, but once you're in the city, you have to do Kiber He doesn't really explain why, what the hillock is. If, if we say that Talmud Torah is more important to the extent that I could even leave the city, why shouldn't it be more important than, than, than just, you know, I have an hour to learn, an hour to make a coffee for my father, so why, why is that different? If I'm going to leave my house, for, if I leave my home for 14 years, if this 14 years abandoning my parents, 14 years in yeshiva is more important than 14 years of honoring my parents. When it comes to an hour in the city, an hour making him coffee, I can either bring him water, I can either learn for an hour, or I can bring him water for an hour. Then we say, no, if you're in the city, then you have to be in the vatel Torah in order to take care of your parents. I don't really understand what the chilek is, but that is what the prihada says. The chasm sofer seems to suggest something similar in passing in a tshuva. The chasm sofer is going on a, uh, a somewhat uh, disturbing gemara. The Gemara says that Rav Achabar Yaakov raised Rav Yaakov, who was his who was his grandson, Bar Brate. So Rav Achabar Yaakov had a daughter. The daughter was the daughter was the daughter had a son named Rav Yaakov. Rav, Rav Achabar Yaakov raised him, raised him as a as, as a child, as his own child. When Rav Yaakov grew up, so the grandfather of Achabar Yaakov once said, and Maya," the classic request of a parent to a child: "Bring me a glass of water." Amar Lo, he said, La Brichana. I'm not your son. I don't have to show you I don't have to show you honor. Too bad. I'm not your son. So the gemara is a I mean, he raised him as a child, you know, like what happened Takar Zatov, what happened? Poskim can discuss whether, whether an adopted child has a mitzvah of aim to his adopted father. Many poskim can say technically not, but in practice they say I mean of course you have to. In practice, I mean, he raised you as a you owe my car as a tow, what what difference does it make? I mean it's important to know Alpha with the midst of but it's hard to understand why he would have why he would have just blown his grandfather off and said, No, I'm not getting you the water. Khassim himself perhaps is bothered by that. So he says he says he says we're talking about a case where getting him the water involved Bitl Torah. He was busy learning. That's what he meant. When he just said I'm, you know, I'm not your son, he didn't mean I don't care about you. He meant I'm learning Torah. Learning Torah is more important than doing you this favor. If you would be my son, he said, "La brichan, la brichan." I'm not your son. Mashma, if you would be his son, he says he would have to mispatel Ktsas, He says he, that similar to the prechadash, similar to the sefer Miknah, he certainly has to engage in some level of bittel Torah to a parent. However, if you're not his son and you're learning Torah, that's why he said, uh, la, "I'm not your son. I'm not going to get you the water." The sefer doesn't really explain what he means. He just says that, that a son does have to misbatel Ktsas to help a father. He refers to a Aruch in the beginning of stimulation and Gimel. I, I'm not sure the, the citation is correct. I, I, so far, I wasn't able to find what he's referring to, but he does say this thing that, that, that he does say. sayKlaya that, that a son would have to mivatel, even though we say Tal Yo Kidav, he would have to mivatel at least a little bit in order to uh, in order to help his father. Ravasha Weiss, in contemporary discussion says he says, "Of course." As we've been saying from these various posts, in one version or another, Burr, he says, if someone is learning Torah and his father needs water, of course he has to interrupt his learning, he says, to bring his father water, because the general klaw we, we have about Talmud Torah is any mitzvah, any mitzvah that can't be done by somebody else, overrides Talmud Torah. It, it, it's, a, it's a famous paradox, even though we say Talmud Torah can I get kulam. Cool that Talmud Torah is the greatest mitzvah, kol yishavula, the, that's greater than all the mitzvahs, but we also say that, that Talmud Torah is interrupted for other mitzvahs, as long as there's nobody else to do the mitzvah, it's EF Shalaslai you interrupt Talmud Torah to do the mitzvah, Kibril is no different, he says, if nobody else can help your father right now, then you have to stop learning Torah, I, the Gemara says, that means when it is EF it is Yachal, when, 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 that means when the, when the mitzvah can be done by somebody else, or when the Av can take care of himself, Yaakov I Aminu, mean, he says, well, in that case, uh, Yitzchak and Rivka managed without him. What about the Truman Sedeshon's case, where where the father was said, I'm going to have tremendous tsar if you go away. How is that? He's, so Rav Asher says, that, this, this sounds like a dachot, but Rav Asher says that, he says, we could say that the father will... Uh, We'll, we'll, maybe we'll calm down, and the father will understand the value of the learning Torah, that the Torah will protect him, he says. That, 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 that's not objectively, you're not objectively hurting your father, you're not objectively depriving your father, it just is bothering him, so hopefully, hopefully he'll get past that, and it's uh, and that's why we say, God will tell the Torah. But in the Hanami, if your father has an objective need, and there is, in practice, no way for that need to be filled, certainly, Rav Asha says, the son has to interrupt his learning to help his father. An- an- another Chilak Rav Asha says, is that? Is that when we talk about learning Bimavatel Torah, you can be mavatel short-term Torah. I miss an hour here, I miss a Seder there, maybe even I miss a week of learning there. I miss some... So learning Torah is, is infinitely precious, but missing a certain amount of Limanat Torah is something you have to do to help, to, to help your father. That's true. The, what the True is talking about, what the Gemara is talking about, is a person has to be able to become a Talmud Chacham. If we're talking about a situation that if you, that if you adhere to Kiberd HaVa'em, you're going to fail to achieve the level of becoming a Talmud Chacham, that, he says, is Talmud Torah get Kulam. A person is becoming a Talmud Chacham. Becoming a Ben is of uh, paramount importance. It's Dokha, everything else. So if we're in a situation where Taking, where, where taking care of your father is going to prevent you from becoming a Talmud Chachem. If you don't go to that yeshiva, you won't be able to reach the same level of being a Talmud Chachem. Yaakov Avinu, if he didn't go to Beis Aver, he, he might not have been the same type of Talmud Chachem. Then we say, God will Talmud Torah. But if it's just a question of a, of, a, of, a, of a concrete quantity of time, then we say that Kivar HaVeim has to be done, even if it means giving up some Torah. Mm-hmm. He brings a story. He says, there's a story in the Sefer Chodam Eshulosh, that the mother of the Chasim Sofer, when she was nearing, uh, nearing death, she asked the Chassam Sofer to visit her in Frankfurt. Chassam Sofer had come from Frankfurt, and he was now in Pressburg, the Rav and Rosh Hashiva in Pressburg. His mother sent a message to him to please come visit me in Frankfurt before I die. So the Chassam Sofer asked the Basin in Pressburg, should he do it? Should he go? Should he travel? It wasn't like today, we just get on a plane or a, or a car and get there in two hours. I guess it was a more substantial journey. The based in and he should not go because he'd be mivatol al-Talmatora d'Rav. God al Says the Sofer, really no, really they only pass in this way. He thinks because it was Kalmatar de He was the head of the yeshiva. If he left, then the yeshiva wouldn't wouldn't operate properly. If it would have been his personal bittul Torah, then he, then he then he should have gone because this is a classic example of a mitzvah that iif shalas lede'achir. Who else is going to satisfy the mother before she dies? There's no one else who could take the Sofer's place. So that's certainly a mitzvah that iif shalas lede'achir. It's more important, I guess, than the father who's worried about his son. He'll get over it. The mother's dying; she really wants to see her son before she dies. So, certainly, if it would just be his personal Torah, this would be a classic case where we don't say gadol talmud Torah, Where we say that a person is have to set aside some of his limur in order to honor his parents. However, because it was talmud de to rabbim, that's why the Basin Paskin's talmud de to rabbim is even more important than that. And because the, the talmud de to rabbim was dependent upon him, he should he should stay where he is. Then he brings the Sefer Mikna, who says that the, the Sefer Mikna discusses Avimi, who, was, uh, who, who held the water while he was waiting for his, while he was waiting for Avavot to wake up. He says, uh, he, say, he, he says, kasha. Who told the Sefer Mikna he's been mabachal Torah? Maybe he was learning Torah while he was sitting there with the water, standing there with the water, even though they were doing other things. They, many G'dalai like Torah would, 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 would think Torah thoughts while they were engaged in other activities. Anyway, the Sefer, the Sefer Mikna says that uh, when it comes to Mora and Sosur Dvarov, that uh Dvarov, he says that, uh, that is, uh, we, we do not say Godel Talmud Torah. Lot like we asked before, I, I missed this part when I was preparing. Lot Tmoah, he says, Rabban Shal Yisrael, first of all, it's against the Tumas Adashin, that he says explicitly that it was against Mora, he was not listening to his father, still Godel Talmud Torah and Mora and it's against the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch says, he brings it to him a The son shouldn't listen to the father who is being mocha. It says explicitly, even though, the, even though he's directly flouting his father's orders, it's still supposed to do that. So, so the Sefermikna is a pella. In any event, the Ravasha says, the point we made before, this is not Sosurist dvarav. he says. Sosurist dvarav is only when you contradict him. You disagree. You say, no, I'm not going to do that. You say, you're wrong. That's Sosurist dvarav. You're simply not doing what he said. He says, uh, not doing what he said is... Uh, is, is not so sure as Tvarav. And the true answer to Rav even if you assume he was Mavad al the real answer is what we said before. A short-term bital to, to help your father, something that no one else can do, a Vadi is supposed to do. And the, and the only time we say Gadal Talmud like we said before, is in a case where it's Efshlas, as Rav Asher explains.